from you with open arms. Is that so? How late do you stay open? You don't understand. I could have had class. I could have been a contender. I could have been somebody. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. I hope they are watching. They'll see. They'll see and they'll know. And they'll say, why she wouldn't even harm a fly. What's up, everybody? You're listening to No Coast Cinema here on WGM Plus. We're your guide to cinema here in the city of Chicago. I'm Tom Hush. And I'm Connor Cornelius. And uh, it's been a little while since we've last talked. I know, Connor, you had a bout of sickness. Mm, as did boy. you. <laughs> yeah. I was, I, was really, uh, I was really run ragged by that week, so we had to take a little time off. Um, and also, it was Oscars week. Yeah. So we just had to take a little bit to sit down and re, you know, just come to terms with the fact that, you know, the Academy Awards are not a good example of what uh, denotes quality in film. And really, I think that's why we more or less decided... It was kind of a tacit agreement that we were just like, we're not really going to talk all that much about it. I think we'll probably... Uh, we'll we'll connect with our good friend Joe Flynn, Joseph Flynn over at NIU. Do a uh, little a, recap. Yeah, amazing film thinker. And uh, even on the night of the Oscars, he, he tweeted us and he's like... Uh yeah, my boys over at Noco Cinema, they they're probably banging their heads against the wall like I am. <laughs> we were like the uh, shock doesn't even begin to explain yeah. that. So, uh we'll be we'll be talking a little bit about that more later. Uh but that's uh because we've got some some good friends here in the studio. Isn't that right, Connor? Yeah, they've returned for one more uh one more bout of film discussion. We have New Trash. New Trash. Hey. Hello. Connor and Nat. Yeah, introduce yourselves again. I am Nat Alder of New Trash. Connor Wiles, also of new trash. New trash. Yeah. So is that, oh, is that what so it's called? Here's so yeah. I'm curious. Is it newt rash? It is, is newt rash. Well, nude yeah. rash. So nude what, rash. What's yeah. the? I'm a little curious about like the origin story behind the name. Uh, we started trying to make a company that was just uh, like powders for rashes. Okay, and. Um, <laughs> That wasn't really working out for us, so okay. we decided, you know, maybe music videos. It is a really like <laughs> yeah, move easy the tea back one space. <laughs> yeah, you know? Exactly. There you go. Well, uh, you may remember them as the All Star Music Video Auteurs of Chicago. Um, you guys have been really busy lately. A lot of new content coming out. Thank yeah. you. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's it's interesting because we shot most of those videos in like over the summer, over the summer yeah. throughout November, and then it's just for whatever reason everybody wants to drop them in the same week so we're just like cool yeah, yeah. let's do it <laughs> more press the better yeah exactly uh the one i recently watched and i'm get, correct me on the name because is it pronounced michael deville michael michael, michael deville. Deville. deville all yeah. right uh michael deville you guys did a great video for him i had never yeah. heard of michael i i was just like oh what's well if new trash is doing it, it must be good <laughs> and then i was just like blown away i was like wow this is someone i have to be watching and that's the benefit of uh, New Trash, in my estimation, is that you get drawn in by these amazing-looking videos, and you're like, oh, wow, this looks well done. This looks m- to be my sort of thing. And then you get to meet this artist, essentially. Same thing happened to me with Pixel Grip. Right, yeah. 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 I remember last time we had you guys on, uh, that Pixel Grip video was pretty new. Golden Moses. Yeah, yeah, Golden Moses. That became, like, my track of the year. <laughs> I, I think I said on Twitter, I was like, I need this played at my funeral. Like, oh, this yeah. is my my absolute jam. And now they've got their uh, album release coming up in April, I yeah. want to say. At Sleeping Village, which is yes. right by, uh, well, 
Anyway, let's go to it, yeah. Tom. We should totally <laughs> yes. go to that. So be there. It's called Heavy Handed, and it'll be out April 4th. Fantastic. See, I, I know, know some that's, stuff. I don't know if it's April 4th. I think so. Oh, maybe. okay. And Something. The, we'll check the band camp on that. Yeah. <laughs> the Mike Hell DeVille thing was cool for me because he actually performed at, um, or actually he hosted a uh, live screening for uh that, that i did for a live q a for uh blackout the, or black site the musical yeah. through uh, mm-hmm. uh soft cage films yeah mm-hmm. and so i saw him and then i see that like i see you guys release the video for for him for his mm-hmm. new record which is beautiful and uh it's been getting a lot of traction like it was on the news the other day right yes it was on, yes it was. It was on fox i think i yes. mean what's what's that like Seeing it on like local on yeah just TV. seeing yeah. seeing your guys's work just blowing up like that uh it was it was pretty cool i mean it's it's just really cool to see like footage from your video and then just like a banner under it saying like family guy coming up at like <laughs> nine eight central it, it's interesting seeing it uh recontextualized yeah, yeah i think that's always a fun experience but i think it was just a project we were happy to be a part of and yeah. like you said michael you know he does it all actor yeah. poet, poet yeah writer uh but maintains great it's out release show Tomorrow, tomorrow which i don't know when this but will have been that'll be yesterday, yesterday. Yeah, will have been yesterday sorry. it was a great show sorry guys <laughs> uh, but so he also yeah maintain just came out but pleasure to work with and that was yeah. a really interesting shoot uh we have to give credit to a uh, awesome dp david hughes jr david hughes man uh who ran around with us and our producer ramon, ramon and we were just what? in a car and it was pouring rain and we just kind of chased the day and drove around to different parts of the city yeah that there's that shot i don't know if you guys remember where it's just michael in the car and we're, we're booming down lakeshore drive and that was one that we I think we got up there at like seven in the morning. That was the first shot of the day. First shot yeah. of the day to beat morning traffic and we were waiting for this like torrent of rain to come down and uh-huh. uh like there was no traffic, there were no cars on Lakeshore when we got that shot and we did it in one take and literally right when the take ended, like the rain started pouring down. So we thought we would have to probably cancel the shoot for the rest of the day. And we ended up like parking in that Mariano's parking lot and just waiting. And while it was raining, we just decided to like send David and Ramon in the car and and light up that car and just have them do some interior car takes. And then by the time they were done, the rain was gone. So you you just continued on. Yes. And we just kind of bounced around town. And and credit to Michael because he kind of served as like the the producer first AD in a lot of ways where he had this whole list of talented people that he wanted to be on the video. So he had them sort of pre-selected in different parts of the town. So it was like, okay, we're done with Humboldt. Let's go over to Wicker. Let's do this over here. So Yeah. Can you bring your... Oh, I'm so sorry. No, you're good. There it is. Am I sultry now? Yes. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Good. It's like ninety five percent more sultry. <laughs> okay. Good. <laughs> I'm ready for the so, porns. So, <laughs> so Michael had the, all these people. Select. He almost he was like directing. Yeah. In a way, himself. It's super collaborative. Where he was like, "These are the people we want, and these are some of the locations we were thinking of." And we were like, "Okay, like we will we will make fun coverage out of this and just sort of go around the city where we can." And uh, we got so lucky in Humble Park because there was. I don't know if it was in Humboldt, but there was like a yeah. 
a big festival going on. There's a street parade. Yeah. So we just kind of walked in and we're like, <laughs> all right, I guess we got a parade in the video now. That's well, cool. That's what I love <laughs> about <laughs> you guys. Yeah. Carnival ride. Yeah. Not a parade. Right. That's what I love about your guys' work is that it feels like you're you're very much willing to open up the the creative process to whatever is around you. Mm-hmm. Um, you can you can adapt something and turn it into a creative choice. So, you know, if, even I'm guessing even if the rain was disrupting something like where you're just like, oh well, now we're shooting in the rain. Mm-hmm. Well, let's. How can we use this? How can we incorporate this into the video? Mm-hmm. And it still would turn out uh, really great. Thank like you. what? I mean, wh- why is that so much part of your? artistic ethos why why not just be like well we want it exactly this way very kubrickian like oh well if i don't get my shot yeah then we're not doing it and it's 50 takes or not at all <laughs> yeah. i think because kubrick and fincher can afford to do <laughs> yeah. right, right. exactly <laughs> and it's, i think we feel, always say the same where it's like oh we just didn't have time but it we don't yeah and yeah. we we just want to make something and we want it to be done and be able to get put out yeah there. I, I don't know who said it but um, oh, one of our favorite people on Twitter, Film Crit Hulk. Uh, oh, yes. oh, yeah. <laughs> one yes. of our faves. Um, it was that retweet a couple days ago where somebody was like, man, I just spent two years on a short film and it didn't get into anything. It's <laughs> like, I'm going to go. That's And sucks. he was like, you made <laughs> yeah, it. That's... The experience was what you gained. And it, mm-hmm. it, it, the experience of making it, of crafting it, of you know fucking things up and fixing them like it's that experience and it's just about making the best product you can while yeah. you can he said don't wait. put it out make a move on to the next one yeah you know so that's kind of the mentality we have is uh you know make it the best you can with what you got but michael and pixel grip were very similar where uh mm-hmm. the idea for pixel grip was they uh had been working with orbox the featured performer in mm-hmm. that right and it was like we just kind of want to get magical dancing in very traditional environments so Matt okay. just went around and we had just moved uh i think to humble pretty recently yeah we had after yeah. that but you went to that where was that church i went to a church <laughs> called carpenter's house i looked it up on google maps because i saw they had a big parking lot i guess christ's house was taken <laughs> christ's house was, <laughs> was taken unfortunately yeah. um and there were no synagogues so i couldn't work my magic with that but uh there was a uh, this this church called Carpenter's House, and I went over there, and I just told them we wanted to do this dance video that was going to be very expressive, and we just needed to use their parking lot uh, for a couple hours at night. And they said they were down. They asked for our video name, and I gave it to them, and thankfully they did not look us up. Yep. They would have found some, I'm sure, very questionable shit. From their perspective, but they were very great, like gracious to us. Yeah, and they, they let us so, use their space shout overnight. Out, shout out, Carpenter. shout out to Carpenter's, Carpenter's house. house. Yeah. yeah, the first time that we saw you guys, uh, Tom and I went to go see Cinema Obscura mm-hmm. on a Monday, and uh, we were watching one of your guys' videos that you had made for a punk rock uh, band. I can't remember what it was, but was it the one with like the Barney? Sort <laughs> yeah, of deal? Yeah, yeah, there was that, and then the one that was before it was like this laser Peek-a-boos. shootout. Yeah, there was a uh, oh Peekaboo, the Peekaboo, yeah. yeah, now now known as lollygagger yes that's okay. their new band name. Okay. yeah and and it, as soon as we watched it we had to find john davies who puts on cinema obscura um and shout out to him but yes. he w- we were just like we have to have these guys on and the thing that struck me i don't know about tom but was just the punk rock like the punk rock thing that was just seemed to sort of pervade all of your filmmaking and it still carries over and now you guys have gotten you know you made music videos that have been released on like Def Jam and mm-hmm. you guys have made it foray into hip hop music I just wanted to ask like wh- 
it, it seems very organic, but like it's it's tough for Tom and I to get together. How do you guys organize these huge groups of people to come together and yet still make it just seem like like it's just a hangout almost? I think a lot of it is we know when to shut up and step back. Yeah. And I think uh, something that it took me, I know I can't speak for you, but it yeah. took me a while to learn was your best work usually happens when you have to, when you, you just realize what is there and you don't have to push, you know, and yeah. there's such a colorful array of characters in the DIY scene and, and in music, you know, musicians, even when they're at the level of DIY, like they, they know, and they know what their, their vibe and their image and their attitude. Yeah. And I found more and more our job is just to present the talent mm-hmm. in the best way we can. And Give I think a lot of posts, you know? yeah. So I think letting those people feel comfortable to be themselves. And usually it's cause the cast is like all their friends. Yeah. Cause they're like, yeah, well we need this and that. We're like, cool. How many people do you know? Uh, right. Yeah. And you, you had a great experience with that Connor making your first feature film with just all your, your high school buddies. And that, that gave you a lot of good experience sort of corralling, People oh, just people. Act. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I, I think it's, you know, it's action verbs. <laughs> <Right>. Exactly. <laughs> As but, George Lucas once said, faster and more intense. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Happier and with your mouth open even more. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. But I, I think uh, we're just lucky to be around people who are confident and, and they want to be uh, putting out the best product just as much. Mm-hmm. So I think when you don't have money for the best setups or the best, like we can't like, okay, we're going to do an overhead going like through Chicago and do this. It's yeah. you fall back on personality and you fall back on the people around you, which yeah. I think reinforce your artistry. All, all you have is teamwork. Are. Like with, with pixel grip, that plastic enemies video, even like pixel grip was there the whole night with us, even though they're yeah, not they in there. the video, yeah. they were just there and they were doing spotlights. For they were it, doing yeah. spotlights. So in that ultra wide, you see where orb is dancing against that big wall that's at Chicago. I, you see those lights spinning. That's just that's John and Rita. Grip. That's yeah. just pixel grip spinning those lights. So it's just really, it's really awesome when you have people that are just that down yeah. to uh, do their part. And it's yeah. kind of strange because the, I mean, the people that we're working that you're working with and the people that, we're seeing in the music videos generally like you will see them around like mm-hmm. there's it's oh, yeah. you know when we're watching big music videos like ariana grande you're like okay you're not going to see ariana grande on the street most, right. most likely it's a very rare occurrence but you, like, you haven't seen her on the street yet yeah come on around, like, she was just I, at starbucks yeah, yeah like, come on old old radio story i used to work for a company that puts on large concerts uh-huh and ha- owns a lot of radio stations. Um, no, we won't say the name. Can't say the 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 name, but you might heart them. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> I I I did oh. I did meet Ariana Grande once. Oh. Really? How was she? Lo- did she say thank you next? I wish she had. That would have been How nicer. many rings <laughs> did she have? Oh, she have seven. She. I mean, she was. I mean, she was tired. She was like, oh my. I, she was getting well, not tired. She was getting ready to perform and stuff like that. She was yeah. very curt, but you know, yeah, you're that's the, the nicest way to I've ever heard someone <laughs> well, call somebody be. rude. <laughs> you have to. You have to. You have to be honest with yourself when you're dealing with that level of talent. But oh, yeah. it's. But I was uh, not to freak out anybody from Pixel Grip to be like name dropping or something. But I was at like the hideout a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago, and just there's Rita. Yeah, I was yeah. like, oh my god! Like I was like, I was kind of a little starstruck. <laughs> That's I didn't, awesome. I didn't, I didn't say you know I loved her. she was having a good time doing whatever, but I was like, wow! You know, I saw her in this music video. I love her music, and there she is. And I feel a sense of community and connection. That's great. And yeah. that's what I really appreciate about 
the way that new trash does videos is that it's not this sort of glorification or starification of the people. You're just putting an artistic vision to tape in a sense, Mm -hmm. and you're putting it on, on video so that people can uh, also feel that connection with the people who are in their city making art. And Mm -hmm. uh, that's what makes new trash so much fun. And I, I guess I want to bring it to a larger scale in terms of the popularity of music videos in general. I think there was a time when we got into the, I don't know, YouTube era and like the stratification of, of media, like post MTV's popularity, like MTV's more or less done as it used to be. It's, it's found Mm -hmm. a different life in as like MTV TV news. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) And like all these different things. And there, I know people working for MTV, they're doing really cool stuff that I never would have imagined MTV doing 10 years ago. Right. Mm. But we're past this like centralized idea of music videos being the thing. It's not MTV in the eighties and nineties where it's like, that's what you did. Like you wanted to know what was cool. You watched MTV now, not so much, but music videos seem to be coming back, seeping back into the popular culture. Absolutely. You know, we mentioned Ariana Grande. Thank you. Next has been watched, uh, or it's been liked 88.8 million times. (sighs) It's been watched like, 300 million times it's like everybody's talking about the thank you next video yep uh drake had a, a video a, like the late degrassi last year one. yeah the degrassi yeah. one yeah. that people talked about and it was part of the conversation mm-hmm. and uh why do you think music videos are making this somewhat of a comeback where people are like oh you know the song but have you seen the video like jay and silent bob fucking <laughs> kevin smith and uh whatever the fuck jason is muse. jason, jason muse, muse, yeah, yeah. we're in a like a degrassi throwback video for drake i never that's, thought i would ever that's see exactly that. what it is it's it's the talk factor right where it's like have you seen that thing that has that thing in it you know and and it's on youtube so it's it's so readily accessible yeah. i think that's a huge part of it well but. it speaks to the larger thing of how media consumption has changed so much but i think the part that we're just kind of starting to see now is how the consumption has really changed the dialogue and our own mental processing of things. Cause I, I was really thinking about this, like uh, watching not to swerve too hard, but the, the Cohen hearings this week, which was sure. the best show on TV. <laughs> right. Of course. Bombshell. I was best really thinking about years. how do yeah. I, how do I interact with the outside world and all of my media is in my Twitter feed, but it's not just Drake and deadline. It's, all the shit happening in the government and around the world. And I think really thinking about people who uh, kids where that it's all at the same level. Now, like we used to have really clear levels of media division Separation. that go into the hierarchy of it, of movies yeah, are more important sure. than TV, more important than yep. the, and, yep. and, and that's gone because it's all just becoming content. Mm-hmm. And whether it's through the web or through Netflix or through on a movie theater, eventually it's all going to just become content. So we're losing this level of, what is considered valued or not, like what has a cultural value. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think the fact that everything is coming back in terms of what you said with music videos is that, that that's the new chart. Like, yep. you know, Billboard's mm-hmm. cool, but it's it's your Spotify streams and it's your YouTube plays. Right. right. And YouTube is, I think for a lot of people, like actually their main social media platform now. Like yes. it's not even just a place where like, because if you use YouTube on your mobile, it's been changed really consistently over the years to reflect more of a news feed where you can just post updates for yes. like text updates on your YouTube app. Yeah, for, like, you, don't have fans to, and, you don't have to do the vlog. Right. Yes, so absolutely. It, I think when you put it all in the same box, no matter what level it's at, it kind of gives everything that same level mm-hmm. of importance or cultural potential 
for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah. music videos have really come back in that way, and I think it's because everyone's watching. We're watching more than ever, and yeah. And Twitter, I don't know. Twitter is a big Twitter is I mean, that Twitter yeah massive. but I, I look at you know stuff like World Star where they have like a complete empire yes. just based off you know drops and, and uh, uh, people fighting yes like, yeah, yeah that well, too. you you've seen that but I I even more now it's the legitimate thing of the getting premieres and like paying yeah, that, like yeah. the seven or eight hundred fee to like drop on World Star it's a big deal right. and getting guaranteed yeah. because I think it's Music videos have always been a good way to sell someone's sound, image, and look all in one package. And so it's kind of across the board. Do you guys remember the name effective. of the site that? Because um, I got into Chance like many people my age through Acid Rap. Mm-hmm. Like some people, there were the people who were really like up on it who got in through Ten Day, mm-hmm. and that. But I, I would say a lot of my college crowd really latched on for Acid Rap. What was the? Was it Dat Piff? I think what I was, is, what is, that I was the that site is. that hosted his his mixtape. Mm, I think I'm not it was familiar. Yeah, yeah I no. think it was called something like Dat Piff. Mm-hmm. Not, Interesting. Like and but it speaks to exactly what you're saying. Where it's like Chance the Rapper came up without having ever commercially released an album, right? Until I think three. Well, Coloring Book wasn't that a or, Apple exclusive or Coloring Book? Yeah, yeah, mm. that's it. But he's that, still doing everything independently. Yeah. Yeah, he I was, mean, well, he once he once he rose to a point. I think, um, chance like Ch- Chance Three and Coloring Book are the same. Like that's what his third album's called, or I just know most recent Coloring one. Book. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Regardless, I think it's called Coloring Book. <laughs> Shows how much I really know about. <laughs> anyway, the <laughs> point the that point was, that was the first time he commercially released an album. Mm-hmm. Right, like everything else, it was like it's going to be free. I'm going to drop it as a mixtape on this website. Mm-hmm. You can stream it on YouTube exclusively, yeah. but for free. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think I, I really am interested in that idea, uh, Connor, that you mentioned of the kind of flattening of the landscape, where it's like there's no, there's no more like movies are more important than TV. In fact, we might be getting to the point where TV might really be more important than movies. Well, okay, well, TV's the medium of the day. Yeah, it really is. I, and all those... Sorry, I didn't mean to... No, no, go From ahead. one Connor to another. Yeah, <laughs> we could, if we could... <laughs> if we could. <laughs> I'm glad that you guys both are talking about like the stratification or the, the hierarchy is, is leveling out. And I would even say that short-form content nowadays is an even better channel to make a statement, which... It's, it's crazy, that movie that just won the Oscar, period, end of sentence. I yeah. was like, when, when am I going to be able to see that... It was literally on, on Netflix, Netflix the next yeah, you day, watch yesterday. That day. Yeah. It was crazy. Well, um, short form, yeah. Speaking of Netflix, let's hop on over oh, to a yes. little bit of news that that really is dealing in the in the backlash to this sort of thing. Uh, Spielberg versus Netflix, something I never thought I would have been saying in my entire life. Uh, he's he's Steven Spielberg, who I would say who? is at least. <laughs> I, I'm going to say, and people might disagree, but I think he's in the conversation for, like, top five living American directors. Absolutely. And um, perhaps, like, best of all time. Yeah. Mm-hmm, I think frankly. I think there's a goat conversation for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, really, we, we look at him now as kind of this somewhat of a relic of the past. Like, he's released stuff in the new millennium, but it, none of it's really reached... The same heights as his what's considered his classic canon right. during yeah, the seventies. Right. They only 80s, win like two or three Oscars <laughs> right. every time. <laughs> they just get the noms. They get the noms, and they maybe maybe Mark Rylance finally gets one for Bridge of Spies, which is a movie I think everybody's already forgotten. Oh, yeah. totally. Um, yeah, but he's he's really in the conversation, and he was someone that would be considered an innovator in the business. I mean, he created the modern idea of the blockbuster. Like right. before Jaws, movies would get like maybe a thousand theaters here 
and then a run of a thousand theaters here. It, it was it was even less. I mean, it was, it was yeah. the roadshow mentality. Yes. That's where the blockbusters was, of the pre Jaws age. Lived, yeah, mm-hmm. you know? so, spread them out. You spread them out. They released over a period of time. But Jaws comes in and he's like, you know what? We're, here's what's going to happen. And it's not all Spielberg, but uh, they decided, here's what we're going to do. We're going to release Jaws everywhere at the same time yep. with a relentless marketing campaign. Yep. And, and what it totally be- worked. And what better mm-hmm. way for a trendsetter like Steven Spielberg uh, to do now that he's gotten older 30 years later to come out and speak out and draw a line in the sand <laughs> against an emerging trend? Yeah, exactly. Am I right? Uh, because yeah. there, there's, a com- there's an argument to make that eventually movies were going to do that. Mm-hmm. what jaws did it's just that jaws happened to be the first one and right. i think spielberg believed in it now he is uh as connor said drawing a line in the sand saying that netflix basically should netflix movies should not be available for academy award contention uh he's got a list of grievances and this is you know just kind of the short idea of what he's getting at one, Netflix spent too much. Uh, by the way, getting this from IndieWire.com, uh, Netflix spent too much money. Uh, one Oscar strategist estimated Roma at $50 million in Oscar spend with Green Book at $5 million in Oscar spend. So they spent a lot, way too much money promoting it, I suppose. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, New York, the New York Times said $25 million and Netflix is very cautious with their numbers. They generally don't release a lot right. of numbers, mm-hmm. a lot of data on right. what they do. Uh, two, the massive Roma push crushed foreign language distributors. Sony Pictures Classic co-president Michael Barker said he had no financial option but to release Oscar nominees Never Look Away and Capernaum when theaters opened up after the holidays, which meant fewer Academy voters had the chance to see them. Uh, Roma only spent three weeks as a theatrical exclusive. Netflix doesn't report box office. Uh, Netflix doesn't respect the 90-day theatrical window. And I think this is the biggest one that I would really be willing to engage with netflix movies are available in 190 countries 24 7 yeah and i really that's the one where i'm like okay i kind of see what you're saying but i was thinking about this a little bit earlier is this not spielberg just being kind of pissed off that he didn't get on the netflix bandwagon as early as other people did because look at scorsese one of his contemporaries scorsese's got Mm -hmm. the irish coming out which is going to be huge you know, mm-hmm. he's uh, Pesci is back after, I don't know, what was the last movie he did? My Cousin Vinny? Something like that. Yeah, who knows? Um, you've got Al Pacino, Robert De Niro. It's basically the cast of Heat and then My Cousin Vinny. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all coming together to, uh, this is, uh, you know, this is going to be one of the biggest releases that Netflix has ever done with yes. a, a name that is not just respected commercially, but also artistically. Right. Yeah. So maybe is Spielberg just pissed off that he did not, do that or does he have a point i don't i don't think he's pissed off that he can't get a netflix deal i'm sure i'm sure could. well i'm sure he could if he tried he owns his own movie studio you know so i think with with that dude it's i think he's trying to preserve a lot of uh the relationships that he has with exhibitors and distributors Mm, yeah and uh obviously he's very he he loves the theatrical experience and you got to respect that but I think he's trying to find a way to keep uh, ex- exhibitors happy. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's a big thing at the end of the day. And it's the the thing with Scorsese is like, why did he go with Netflix? Because maybe they were the only people that would give him a hundred million dollars to make, to make that movie. Yeah. You know. So I don't know. It's, I mean, Silence wasn't exactly a crowd pleaser. No, and that was in. That was in the making for like literally decades. Yeah, I do yeah. not think that made its money back. No, no. I can't imagine it did. And <laughs> I mean, what was that like a six million dollar budget? Uh, something like that. It was. Jeez. It was oh, huh. And I, I just, 
I can't believe that this is the way he wants to go. And I know he's got his business interests. I think that's a very uh, astute observation, Nat. And um, Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of truth to that. But um, I don't know. He could just... Why not just get on the bandwagon at this point? Because this is the way we're going to watch a lot of our content now. Um, It's readily available. It's cost-effective, at least for the consumer. And while I have my own reservations about uh streaming services and where that's gonna go especially with this year we're going to be seeing stratification of that when it Mm -hmm. comes to introducing things like disney plus apple apple Mm -hmm. wants to get into the streaming game but um it's a fascinating way to get people to watch movies think of how many more people saw roma Yes, right. Absolutely. In a in a high quality format, like they're streaming that shit in 4K. A lot of people have 4K TVs now, and frankly, you know, we live in Chicago. Indie movies come here. Yes, they will exhibit at the Music Box. Yes, they will exhibit at different many you know large uh theaters like we're right down the street from the amc 21 Mm -hmm. which is like one of the biggest movie theaters i've ever been to in terms of screen numbers Mm -hmm. so there's a chance for movies to play here if you're in buttfuck idaho Mm -hmm. there's they're not showing roma at your theater exactly they're probably showing whatever's in widest release so i i grew up in honduras i lived there for i think seven years when i was a kid and the biggest thing for me as a movie buff was movies would take a year and a half to get to honduras so for me it, it was a thing of like man i wish i had netflix back then i wish i had a library of movies that all came out at the same time for everybody and i could be a part of that conversation and and that's a huge benefit that i don't think he's really talking about right now right is frustrating. I think that you can engage with Steven Spielberg's uh, arguments against Netflix, but I think just the easiest retort to him is like easy for you. Yeah, you know? yeah right. You're the you're <laughs> like we said. He's like high in the running for best American director, and he's in the conversation for like the goat, right? Yeah, yeah. the dude made and, Jurassic Park and Schindler's List <laughs> in the same yeah. year. Yeah, <laughs> like he's and he's a machine, obviously. Yeah. but he also, even though he was a trend center, he was a kind of a victim of buying into the old. Uh, channels that you had to go through in order to make a movie you had to start your own studio and you have to like get your own you know uh fundraisers together and everything which is so ironic because he was part of these new hollywood guys he mm-hmm. was in there well, look with what happened to all those guys right uh, sans scorsese because de palma just dropped off but the rest of them became very like tech format obsessed mm-hmm. and like you know coppola was directing movies sitting in a fucking trailer just like <laughs> yeah. speaking over intercom losing his fucking mind <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's no respect like no disrespect you know right. but uh i when you hear spielberg say that stuff it's kind of you're like it's that dude at reckless who's like well i mean if you're not listening to it on vinyl or <laughs> <laughs> that, that's what i hear um it, but i think yeah i think it's kind of on the same page that distribution and access means something different but it's Mm -hmm. that old new split that's manifesting everywhere and i think we saw that pretty openly in the oscars like between Mm -hmm. the young folks and people who were winning the awards like the people themselves and Mm -hmm. what they were saying and what that meant to them and then like who won best picture you know right there's a a huge split you're like how do these two things actually like coexist there's a massive and it's moving but he's just protecting his his space and I think for those dudes, the 
It's the same thing. Like people are like, "How are you going to watch a movie on your phone?" Like how many times do you hear that, right? Right. But mm-hmm. David Lynch. Now everyone's doing it. Like <laughs> e- even like older folks or people who weren't as hip to adapt, or even a lot of the people where there were those financial barriers. Like now you can get a forty-inch HD TV for like two hundred bucks, mm-hmm. and you can get subscriptions. So it's it's really kind of broadening out to everyone now, and. I don't know, you know, movie pass. <laughs> movie pass is also an example in its heyday where you saw people buying into it and saying, "Oh, look, here's a cheap way to go to theaters. Fuck yeah, I'll do oh, that. I want to see, see a lot more movies." Yes, absolutely. But, so I would say to him, like, "Okay, dude, find a way to lower ticket prices." Well, like, exactly. Hey, man, do that. One month subscription of Netflix is the same as one ticket to yes. one movie at AMC Twenty One. How right. ridiculous is that? And that's what I want to talk. Like, what is Steven Spielberg? Who's his audience? Who's he? He's like talking to the ten to twelve directors who it's like, "Oh, why aren't you just a multi million dollar director <laughs> yeah. that gets gets fucking free license to make whatever movie?" Right. You yeah. I'm sure Christopher Nolan was happy about it. Yeah, exactly. He is talking to the industry. I think that's really more that it's not. And I don't think... I like. I haven't read the official statement. Yeah. I've just been reading about. Every, it was like I woke up and there was like a civil war broke out yeah. <laughs> on Twitter. But it's been. It's a really interesting litmus test, and I feel like the reaction to what Spielberg said is speaking a little more to the reality of the world yeah. than what he actually said. Because sure. you see people like Joseph Kahn and uh, like contemporary filmmakers who are doing digital release, like a YouTube Red movie for yeah. Bodied. And yep. uh, everyone's just kind of coming out on different sides. And it seems like a much more uh, intricate and varied conversation yeah. that is being provoked by what he said than mm-hmm. the actual statement. And let's even look at people like Steven Soderbergh. Yeah. Um, I mean, he just released High Flying Bird mm-hmm. on Netflix, which was entirely shot on an iPhone. Yeah. Um, and that's not the first time a filmmaker has done that. We only need to look at something like Tangerine, which right, was yes. also shot entirely on an iPhone. So it's not that he, he doesn't even, I don't think he even sees himself as being like a, a trendsetter in that. He yeah. just saw that and he's like, you know what? I want to try doing that shit. Yeah. And um, recently, I want to say it was at uh, Sundance, um, Christopher Nolan said to Steven Soderbergh, he's yeah. like, when are you going to come back to film? And when Steven Soderbergh's like, yeah. Yeah, when you write in crayon or something. Yeah, when you start (laughs) writing your scripts in crayon, and I was just like, "Damn, what an astute response!" And I I am, I'm here for the film revivalists Mm -hmm. in terms of them being like, "I like the quality of it. I like the way it looks." The same way I'm here for the vinyl revivalists, Mm -hmm. where they're just like, "There's something about this medium that speaks to me," and there's nothing wrong with that. Is when you get into this sort of like these normative statements where you're just like you should be shooting on film because this is the way it has to be done Mm -hmm. no this is not the world we live in it's 2019 parts of a whole you can yeah you can shoot an entire feature on your fucking phone yeah is it how is that not exciting to people and Soderbergh's the most interesting like I think he is a legitimate trendsetter because that dude released that movie bubble was the first ever day and date vod release and it was really? 10 years before netflix streaming happened before vod was an actual thing and he talks about it in a really interesting way in terms of how insecure theater exhibitors are uh when it comes to that window of release that 90 day window of release they really want that space to be able to compete amongst themselves and what soderbergh said with a movie like unsane was he was like you know what that movie came out first weekend, bombed like a motherfucker. Why Why can I not 
yank that movie from theaters when I know it's not playing well for a week and just put it on VOD immediately. Yeah. And see if it can find an audience. Find an audience, yeah. After, after you put all that money into marketing. So I think there should be, there can be a happy medium where maybe they can, they can shrink the theatrical windows down from 90 days to something a little more reasonable, like three weeks or something. And then from there, go on a case-by-case basis where you can say, hey, this movie is really not doing well. Right. We should put it out on Netflix. And you, you actually see that in international releases. Like I don't know if you guys remember how Annihilation right. came yeah. out on Netflix in Europe the same week it came out in theaters in the States because they knew it was not going to make its money back. Yeah. Right. So if, if people are okay with that, it's just why, why would they not be okay with doing that domestically and i think it's just theaters are very insecure about it's all revenue. about the money man yeah. yeah at the end of the yeah. day this wouldn't be a conversation if they knew how to make their money out of either way yeah and, and that's, that's really all this is is we're right. just waiting for them to figure out the new model where everybody gets a slice yes yeah. and then it won't be a problem it's, right yeah. that's super key it's I think the that's death throes key. of the dinosaurs right well, mm-hmm. and and let me let me be clear uh as as i've said many times on this show i work in a movie theater um, and thankfully, it's an independently owned movie theater. I don't have to deal with Regal or AMC or whoever right. the fuck owns these movie theaters. Um, and I, I think we all, as as consumers of film, value the theatrical experience mm-hmm. as well as what we can gain from watching things at home. Mm-hmm. And I, what I see is the problem is that people don't um, seem to realize that the theatrical experience and the streaming experience can be mutually exclusive things. People can go to concerts and stream an album, you know, exactly. at the same time. And uh, there's theaters like the music box, the music box that prove that people will go out to the music. You know how easy it is to watch fucking Ghost in the Shell, the original Ghost in the Shell, mm-hmm. on your TV. So easy, mm-hmm. cost you f- maybe four dollars. Yeah, but is it? the same as going with all your friends getting a getting some popcorn getting a maybe, beer maybe a daisy cutter yeah maybe a daisy <laughs> sitting in a theater that's like the cheap one right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what I get every time. it's only 17 dollars. <laughs> <laughs> but going into a theater with like three to five hundred other people mm-hmm. and experiencing it together these are things that don't have to be different it's or that or that can be different and they don't have to try to compete with each other. I think it's just the theater business needs to adapt. Now they've tried. They thought 3D was going to do it. Didn't work out. You put too many chips into James Cameron. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Good, you know, great director. Not that wasn't the tech that was sure, going to do it. Sure, some no. people shit with their mouths open, but not enough. <laughs> <laughs> not enough, James. Not enough, Jim. Battle Angel, though. That, uh, yeah. that should be good. That yeah, I I've mean, heard that, good things. That's a okay. movie to watch. <laughs> 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 but uh you know they thought that was going to do it then they thought it was like the dining experience which there are theaters out there that have made a business out of that yes. shout out to the alamo draft alamo house draft which house, has yeah. clearly found its audience with people mm-hmm. doing that experience mm-hmm. but it's you know maybe it's not enough to scale it to a national thing where that's going to be the norm so what do they do well maybe it's reclining seats well you know i don't really need people's ass sweat <laughs> and the, you know theater theater seats are kind of gross enough right on on average especially like, if it's right after a james cameron film <laughs> that's like two and a half yeah. 245 worth of ass sweat right yeah, there. it's brutal it is. so the i think it's what what theaters need to do is give people a reason to go back to the movies and i think showing going to this model of showing older films showing things on 35 
you know, appealing to the film nut that I think lives in even the most casual of moviegoers. Good movies too. I mean, yeah. even I mean, well. look, I don't like I don't <laughs> like Battle Angel. Right. <laughs> Come on, I don't like A Quiet Place, but I was very happy to see that an original horror film got a bunch of people off of their asses to go see a movie. I always now, feel better when I'm really pissed off at a movie, but I'm in a theater. Yes, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's like it's it's, you can be communally pissed. Well, you have too. to be quiet and think about why you're angry. Yeah. <laughs> You can't just yell at the screen because I'm probably the worst person to watch movies with oh, at home. T- definitely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was I watching Glass it. at uh, at the Logan Theater. Have you guys seen Glass? No. Does he break? Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, I I about broke. Me and me and, me and about fifteen other people. Uh, it was. It's exactly. It's so fun to go and watch a movie and have a, like an experience that even if it's not a great experience, it's still f- way more fun than watching, say, Equilibrium for the second time and being yes. like, wow, this is super stupid and super like serious <laughs> well, that's, that's an interesting point and i wonder the divide that we see with the people who are really prioritizing the theatrical experience you know they they're older but they like spielberg didn't have vhs tapes when he was growing up right so i really i think about a lot like your formative experiences with media and how you interact with it or like you know from a young age and what that means to you and they all talk about like well my dad took me to the theater and i saw john wayne (laughs) stagecoach but i know i i can only speak for myself and like my friends and generations growing up but it's Getting that DVD and putting it in at the house party. Yeah. Hanging Mm -hmm. out with those people. VHS tapes at slumber parties that we all grew up and our, the majority of our experience with media is in a home environment. So it, 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 it's not strange and it doesn't feel wrong. Because I didn't see Goodfellas in theaters. No, like I no, didn't, no. I didn't see all that jazz. Yeah, I wasn't alive, but that movie still communicates magic to me. And like I can still love it without seeing it there so i you know is yeah. there really a i think it's an easier jump to go from watching a vhs tape to being my phone is really not that different yeah because right. it's the medium and it's like I, I wouldn't watch a movie on a phone but i watch youtube on my phone all day yeah, yeah. all day so, every day yeah yeah so i mean it's all you know i, I wonder mean, if that even, even connor and i uh we watched roma which is an a beautifully shot film it is mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um it's a film that even i i did not get to see it in theaters Neither we didn't yeah. see it during that short run, despite everybody being like, you need to see it in the <laughs> You've got to see gotta it in fucking theaters. <laughs> and I, 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 I commend them for wanting to push that because it is a movie that I think warrants it. Shot in 70 millimeter. Yeah. Like, you know, I think if you can, go for it. But mm-hmm. uh, Connor and I could have. And then we sat at my house. <laughs> drank a good, <laughs> open, cracked open a couple of daisy cutters. <laughs> <laughs> not yeah, not really we, you know, we, we drank we, we had like a, a big it was like a big special barrel like barrel yeah. aged beer and we put it we did put it in the nice glasses mm-hmm. yeah we put it in the nice glasses and we sat there and watched roma together and we talked a little bit through it like we were like oh wow i really like this it was that it was that experience that you were yeah, talking mm-hmm. about the home experience of uh maybe when when we when we were 10 years old we were sitting at home in front of a dvd or a vhs with a liter of cola yep, getting yeah. sick on candy yeah. and yeah. just like yeah exactly and then you play goldeneye afterward yeah yes. um yeah. and the I, not to get too far away from this but i think that the what's also important to realize about roma is that movie if that had been gone if that had gone through a traditional channel like a traditional film studio that movie would not look the way or would not be the same movie not at all no the f- not at all. artistic freedom that people get Get through netflix is i in, Pretty amazing. in i think it's like i think it's just the future right i mean yeah. there's less studio interference because netflix is like 
I have so much shit I have to do right now. I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to take over the world. I'm taking trying to take over the world. I don't have time to micromanage right. you. Just I don't so care about my you, name's Jeremy at the end Sonny. credits. Like right. that's I think that's the future. And I understand that, you know, Steven Spielberg, what I think we're getting at here is the older people are kind of upset that things are they're like they will go outside one day and the world's like the sky is green and they're like how the <laughs> fuck did that happen like, and everybody else is like me. oh you weren't there yeah, yeah right you didn't, you didn't watch my youtube video about it <laughs> well i'm curious you mentioned like netflix you know they're trying to take over the world and what happens when they do i guess right. like what is the business model when, when everyone has a netflix subscription right when everybody has it and i think that's part of uh, one side of the anti-Netflix conversation that I've seen is, uh, well, it's kind of the funny part where he's like, they don't release their numbers yeah. and they don't do this. And I'm like, oh yeah, because studios are just renowned for their <laughs> yeah. transparency. Yeah, exactly. right. I'm like, how much money did you lose on... Solo. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, whatever. Let's probably not talk about Star Wars. I don't want to get docs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but no, that's a, that's a good point is that um, if Netflix achieves what they want to achieve what then do we just keep and there's there is a lot of stuff on netflix that is just complete crap it's terrible oh, yeah. well, it's, i mean it's content I'm, yeah i'm it's personally content. glad that we got to see velvet buzzsaw on netflix instead of going to see it on the theater you, you feel i like netflix a lot more when i watch something and i'm like man fuck that i'm that glad i didn't like pay sucked. for that yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but you uh, kind of did um, well, does hey, anybody no actually hey guys, pay for Netflix? Art, I feel like <laughs> art, my mom's art is, account. Da- art is dangerous, guys. Didn't you get that from uh, Velvet Buzzsaw? Sometimes you get, sometimes you lose eleven dollars. Right. <laughs> risking sometimes going to see a movie. Paintings uh, kill you. The risk is what makes it valuable. Right. Um, I want to. I want to pivot into something that uh, streaming has really done for me in terms of as I became a more serious. A film fan and I, I know that sounds a little pretentious like i love i love cinema cinema yeah cinema cinema uh <laughs> as they say in in mm. itali <laughs> the banca scuro but <laughs> you guys didn't tell me vigo mortensen was gonna be here los tecnicos cinematicos let me see this side note did you know the guy who's playing tony lip was in the sopranos yes i saw that on twitter that's the most insane which which guy did he play again he plays carmine italian guy i like how we're all doing New York bus. Hey. And he plays at the New York bus. Come on. But yeah, no, that was weird. Tony Lip is in The Sopranos. But uh, one of one of my favorite streaming services is uh, Shutter. Shutter. Yes. And I have to I have to shout out. I have to give them really big props because they're part of this small sect of uh, streaming services that values a, that doesn't try to use an algorithm. Mm-hmm. No. There, it's everything they put on is curated by a team of people that say, okay, we're going to put these movies on here for this reason. We think these we are what our these. people want to watch right mm-hmm. and granted i use shutter through like an ancillary streaming service called verve which is from mm-hmm. the people who create a crunchy roll hmm, and it's nice. like an aggregate screen streaming service where you pay like 11 dollars a month but you get access to the content of like seven different oh, streaming nice. services oh, okay. and they used to have mubi which is kind of like indie a lot of indie stuff movies movies dope yeah uh and they have a similar model to shutter where they're just like yeah we're going to curate this for you you get well isn't it like 30 films for 30 days 30 films 30 days and each day one movie leaves one movie joins the pack which is Mm -hmm. a really cool idea i think for people who watch a lot of movies uh Mm -hmm. i think that's a great one but 
Um, I found it an invaluable resource for getting into movies I would possibly, and most people would possibly never see in their yeah, entire lives unless absolutely. someone recommended it to you. Odd Obsession, uh, you, they they do a lot of recommendation. I think everybody who works there is pretty much a volunteer. Nice. Um, and they, they really spend a lot of time curating, and I think that's really important. But uh, being able to go on Shutter and find all this stuff that I'm just like, what the fuck is this? This mm-hmm. is crazy. Uh, led me to the amazing Female Prisoner Scorpion series, yes. which yes. we were talking a little bit off mic. Um, I'm so glad that a streaming service not doesn't just have them, but has all of them. All of them. And in pristine, like, remastered quality. And they all came out the same year, so you genuinely don't know which one is which. <laughs> You're like, which one's four, which one's two, they I all, don't know. And it's, it's pre, uh, it's kind of pre when they started numbering things, because I'm pretty sure The Godfather Part Two is the first time a sequel was ever numbered. Really? really? Mm. Yeah. They, because they didn't just call it something else, they called it yeah, Part Two. because, huh. like, if you look at the female person or scorpion scorpion series they all have a different title yeah like Like they're kind of not they're a little bit nonsense like grudge song yeah grudge song or beast stable jailhouse 41 (laughs) sounds like metal albums but it's kind of these are pretty metal movies if you like mandy yeah if you like mandy these are pretty metal as fuck yes before we get into these you, you said it's a great opportunity for the shutter is to get people into movies that they might not actually see i have not seen any of these movies and oh. all three of you have so why don't you guys sell me on the all right well, on the films well, I, okay so why don't you get you guys have seen all of them mm-hmm. you marathoned them recently right yeah a, a couple months ago, couple months right? ago. Yeah. yeah yeah semi-recent uh yeah. give give us the elevator pitch of sorts of like what are these movies <laughs> Yeah, it's female prisoner scorpion is about a woman who is somehow associated with the mafia in Japan. I can't remember what her role is, but she gets set up somehow and left for dead and she gets sent to prison. And pretty much the series is about this woman finding a commune of other badass chicks in prison and it's pretty much them against the system right for the first two for the first two at least because the other one she's on the run yeah Um, she gets out of prison it's pretty much where did that kill bill sensibility come from yes that's what i was gonna ask this is root stuff and uh, i'm a big fan of prison movies uh especially in the the grindhouse sense like women in prison as a genre with like its own cliches and tropes black mama white mama with pam greer yeah, mm-hmm. or like Sweet Sugar, you yeah, know, stuff like or uh, Women Prison Massacre. Like there, there's pretty much everything I saw at the New Bev. Like growing up, it was yeah. just something prison, women. <laughs> uh, okay. and most of them are pretty gross and mm-hmm. pretty reprehensible. Uh, and they're not great rewatch movies because yeah. you're like, ah, this is just sad. Yeah, but uh, Female Prisoner Scorpion is great because it's really, really stylized and it's that seventies. Era of Grindhouse, where it's people who were making real movies and yeah. like real filmmakers who had an incredible sense of craft and really knew how to make a movie that, even though it was cheap or pulpy mm-hmm. or ex- exceedingly violent, oh. so there's just beautiful shot after beautiful shot, and it's shot on like such great fucking lenses, man. Those oh fucking zoom lenses. But so she's in prison. There's the wonderful evil warden character with like an eye patch. And always shit. an eye patch. <laughs> yeah, always Every an time. eye patch. And it's just encounters. It's just these one-offs uh, with, you know, the uh, guards who are beating them and uh, throwing them in chains and putting them in basements. Making and them dig holes. There's yeah. a lot of mm. hole digging, which leads to <laughs> a very incredible I'm sold. Yeah. You can stop right there. Shovel decapitation. Oh, oh yes. That's 
in, entirely in slow mo, and it it's just crazy. And oh. th- there's a lot of uh, curveballs where a woman will just randomly become possessed by a demon. Yes, and they have like a knife throwdown in the showers, and it goes. It gets very. I won't say like it goes. I know nothing culturally. I think. Um, I think it is. It is intentionally like the makeup at least is like very kabuki theater. Yes. Yeah. Like yeah. it's um, very very expressionistic. <laughs> yeah. Demonic. So it goes yeah. occult as well. Yes. Or is that a little way? Just, just for a scene. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> just for one but, scene. Yeah. And the first one, they, uh, you know, spoilers, but they murder everyone and they break out. And part two, which I think is Jailhouse 41, yeah. is yeah. It, that's my favorite. That's the women on the run. But it all follows this main character. And I'm not, I don't recall um, what her name is. She go, Her last name, I want to say, is Matsumoto, but they call her Matsu. Or yes. They call her Matsu in the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. Or um, it's Se- Sasori or something, which is Japanese for scorpion. They call her like the scorpion woman. Um, But she's a lethal killing machine uh, with a. But these movies are just gross where everyone in them is a horrible person who usually deserves what they have coming to them. Yeah. Uh, It's a a spectacular anti authoritarian message. Yes. Um, And I'll I'll go a little bit into the weeds here because I. I, uh, So I got to see these uh on shuttered they were beautifully remastered by Mm -hmm. arrow films Mm -hmm. who are known for putting out like a lot of heavy genre they're like they're like the criterion collection of genre films yeah even though criterion does dabble like they're a little bit more prestige like we have ingmar bergman they do lady Mm -hmm. snowblood yeah they've got lady snowblood good for them yeah uh (laughs) but these this uh they also put out a book arrow books um, called Unchained Mer- Melody, the films of Meiko Kaji. And Meiko Kaji is uh, the woman who plays the female prisoner scorpion. Um, she was also known at the time for being in these uh, kind of biker girl gang movies called Straight Cat, Straight Rock? Cat Rock. Yeah, yes. those are great. Yes. So good. Um, and then eventually Lady Snowblood, which I believe is uh, from the guy who wrote like the Lone Wolf and Cub manga. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so those were turned into movies and then she did the Lady Snowblood ones. Um, but at the end of the day, she's like the archetype. She's like the Clint Eastwood of action cinema for Japanese, for, for Japan. Mm-hmm. Because she, you, she acts almost entirely with her eyes. She mm-hmm. rarely talks. Um, the only time you really hear her is during the theme tune, which she sings. Really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that was That's her. awesome. And I'm glad you mentioned the Kill Bill connection because not only did Tarantino borrow heavily visually from these movies, but uh, one of the songs that is played in that is like, it's called like the Flower of Carnage is Meiko Kaji. It's one of her songs because she had like a weirdly big like pop career That's in awesome. Japan following this. But the the reason I wanted to bring these up is because getting into cult film really opens one's horizons. And I think... Mm-hmm. Uh, watching your guys' videos, watching the new trash videos, I think there's a lot of that seeping in. A lot of the um, let's not see low art and low art and high art. Let's just see it all as art, mm-hmm. and these things can be so elevated. And just from the way that you guys lovingly talk about these movies, is shows that um, when you get into cult film you can learn a lot about movie making from from these because they're real directors making real movies mm-hmm. yes we might relegate them or uh, i think at worst ghettoize them into mm-hmm. oh, right. a genre like mm-hmm. we don't genre is not something that we care about we don't see as cinema but it really is a lot of the uh techniques in this you can see 
in plenty of movies going forward. And it's all from film nerds who got their hands on these. Yes. Uh, maybe like VHS era sort of stuff. They're like, yes. oh, what's this mm-hmm. weird stuff from Japan? You see a dude like Refn, who everybody kind of in our generation really respects, is like yeah. this very artsy, very serious filmmaker. And all of his shit is just taken from like Japan. Oh, yeah. You know? and, and Italy. It's, it's, and Italy. It's yeah. base, and, and on some level, it's kind of just smut in a way. Yeah. Like you, you watch <laughs> Drive. On some level, yeah, I was yeah. going to say, <laughs> it's like people think if you put a blue gel on a light, suddenly that like hammer murder is right. celebre. Right? Yeah. yeah, like. Oh. But hey, at least he had the balls in b- the place beyond the pines to remake Psycho, right? <laughs> was that him? <laughs> that's not Reffin. That's, that's not Reffin, isn't it? It's just that's it's God's God's you wanted to be Reffin. That's no. Blue Valentine. That's that guy. I'm like 90. I don't know. It's Who, not. Fact you're, you're wrong. Uh, I'm wrong? <laughs> Do some. Fun. No, because that was when he did Only God Forgives. Yep. It was mm-hmm. around that time. Uh, Neon Demon's pretty crazy. I, I rewatched that recently, and my thing with it is like, if you view it through the lens of a really absurd comedy... It works perfectly. <laughs> Anything else, I do not know if it lands. But, yeah, yeah. But at least he he's definitely swinging for the fences. Oh yeah. There's yeah, a yeah. great video. I wish I had the audio from. Maybe I'll edit in the audio here. Yeah. With uh, where Refin is talking to Billy Friedkin. Uh huh. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's like, you think that's a masterpiece? <laughs> I'm Billy Friedkin. Like, like, yeah. Like you don't he's know like, shit. Hey, 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 can you guys look this up? Is Drive a masterpiece? <laughs> I'm like you. I have no regrets about Only God Forgives. I I think it's a masterpiece, and it is. I just didn't make it very expensive. Is there a doctor in the house? We we need to get a medic in here. Is there is there a doctor around? <laughs> I just didn't make you, it. I, if you I, think I that's a masterpiece, what is Citizen Kane? It's great. But it's very. In, it was an inexpensive movie, so financially, who gives a shit? He's a great director with the worst director commentaries. Oh god, Billy they're so yeah, bad. Yeah, it, we were no Billy Friedkin because yeah. we were watching like the Killer Joe one. He's like, yeah. So this scene, he does this. <laughs> Matthew this McConaughey scene, he does, he just <laughs> tells you into a room. Yeah, yeah like, even the cool. sorcerer one. He's like, yeah, it was cold. I don't. I don't <laughs> yeah, I don't he remember. Was, uh, Billy Friedkin. Uh, you know, he got it. He's from Illinois. He actually went to Sen High School. Yeah. Dropped out. Uh, or I don't know if he was a dropout or they had this thing back then where you could just kind of like sort of take take like a G, uh, what a sabbatical not a sabbatical <laughs> it's not it's a GED, the GED program yeah take a, a G, oh, yeah, yeah take a test you're done with high school at 16 and he went to as as the story goes he went to go get a job in the mailroom at NBC5 uh-huh. which is not far from where we are now mm-hmm. um and or whatever he went to go to the mailroom to get a job at NBC5 and he accidentally went, went when uh, to WGN TV. He's like, hey, I'm here for my interview. And they're like, we don't have an interview with you. And he's like, what? Oh, come on. I want to work in the mailroom. So he went for, he wanted to get, he had an interview with NBC that he went to the wrong building in and then ended up getting a job at WGN TV oh. in the mailroom, worked his way up as a director. And so he's like, and then he went on and did like the French Connection. He yep. did a lot of stuff in TV, and then when did the French? Yeah, he connection. did. Wow. I, it was a he did like a death row doc, yeah, like locally. Yeah, 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 that yeah. was the big thing for oh. WGN. I think it was huge. Yeah, mm-hmm. William fucking Friedkin. Oh he's my god, what an best. asshole he is! Oh, he's such I, a douche. I love his movies, and he's got so many weird ones uh, that it's it's weird that he's held in such wide regard. But he's really only done two movies that were like wildly popular like popular yeah. which is french connection and the exorcist right yeah 
Uh, didn't he do cruising? Cruising, 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 cruising and sorcerer. Uh, sorcerer is awesome. That's probably my favorite. Yeah. Bug is my favorite. Bug's great. Uh, coming he back did last Bug and Killer Joe yeah. were really nice. He like, did one with. Uh, punch. He did one with William Peterson from CSI. Oh, uh, to yeah. live and die in L.A. I haven't seen that. Is that oh, good? It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> See, and this is what happens. This is how re- did we get onto this let's, train? Do you guys remember? <laughs> let's bring it back. We're, we're, talking, talking, we're talking about Shutter. Shutter. The, yeah, the Shutter. ability Shutter. to go and watch these movies will open your eyes to mm-hmm. people's careers in a way that be, just being like watching the mainstream stuff won't get you. When you, because right. you, that's how you become a fan of Billy Freakin is not just watching French Connection and Exorcist and being like, okay, he's the greatest, but like going deep into that filmography the stuff that wasn't necessarily successful and seeing how they grew from it and um even i think de palma really falls into that category mm-hmm. that guy has a weird filmography very mm-hmm. lurid his stuff's interesting because it's just hitchcock but taken to its real extent yeah. you know where yeah. those and setups it's very are all... psychosexual yeah. yeah but all those even rewatching uh like man who knew t- like just all the old hitchcock stuff yeah you're like Man, this guy, like, if he could go a little further, he'd uh, go a little further, man. And to, yeah. think, and to yeah. think that Psycho was seen as, like, just depraved yeah. Yes, when that mm-hmm. first came out. That was a depraved film. It's the first movie with, like, a toilet flush in it, yeah. right? <laughs> That's so dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that a thing? Well, it was the, <laughs> the Hayes Code, man. Yeah, they even right. recognize it. He's a visionary. <laughs> <laughs> well, they recognize it in the picture as well because you've got, uh, oh, Christ, why can't I never remember these fucking actors' names? Nor- uh, Norman Bates. Yeah. Anthony one, Perkins. Anthony mm-hmm. Perkins, who, if you've never seen the Psycho sequels, check them out. And I believe he directed Psycho 3. Yeah, 3 and or 4. I know he did at least one of them. And a very talented director. Anyway. Did he direct it as the mom? Or? <laughs> <laughs> but even in the picture, he's just like, oh, this is your bed, and here's the writing desk, and there's the... Well, you know, the, <laughs> yeah. fly. the place where you shit. Um, but anyway, anyway, watch more movies. Well, watch uh, more movies. Yeah. That's yes. a great okay, thing. That's that's that. can let's agree let's on. wrap it all up here. Uh, new trash. Where, where can we see more new trash content? Uh, new, you can only see what's the PBS thing they do. It's uh, you can see more at newtrash.net <laughs> yeah. or follow us on Instagram at new trash crew yeah oh i think we also have a twitter but don't no you but don't, don't. <laughs> could we get it in uh could we get that in uh christopher walken maybe hey new you trash. gotta go on the uh on instagram the who can you do a good you can, you can do james uh james uh mason james james mason where can we pay hey, james where can we find new trash on the instagrams you may be able to find lolita where are you that's all i got <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. so you can find crew. us on instagram and then you just start shouting out names <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> it's, uh, no that's and you guys have had uh amazing success every every video i've seen um has just felt very you and felt very uh new like there's there's mm. it's it's oh. it's got to be striking to it's striking to me to see someone with a style that is recognizable yet always changing and you're willing to do something different with each video and be like yeah let's adapt let's see uh what we can do differently while still being like yeah that's a a, to pull a phrase from spike lee that's a new trash joint right there like that (laughs) that just is um that's that's because we're literally just kidnapping other directors (laughs) making them work for us but yeah thank you yeah well from people who like to you know 
revel in the absurd from one to the other you know yeah. thanks for uh thanks for coming on to the show and thanks yeah. for the releasing the content that you do we uh we really appreciate it well we appreciate yeah. what you guys do and thanks for having us here and you know many blessings upon your microphones as the Thank world you. turns forward <laughs> wow that was beautiful yeah. Ooh, wow. that's a nice way to that's a nice way to writing. sign it off there <laughs> all right i think that's from the wire oh. <laughs> ruin my day oh, shit. <laughs> all right this has been noco cinema here on wgm plus we are your guide to cinema here in the city of chicago I am Tom Hush. And I'm Connor Cornelius. And we will see you all next time. Cue James.